Hello, everybody. Welcome to, yes, the return of Trust Me It's Good, because we are two white males stuck in isolation. So what else are we going to do but do a podcast? I just sat around thinking nobody has heard my opinions in quite a while yeah. since of my unfortunate uh, taking off the airwaves. So uh, I'm oh. just going to force it all on you guys. Yeah. And, um, and let us and let us tell you, we have opinions. <laughs> We've kept him bottled up for so long. <laughs> that Bernie guy, love him. <laughs> this Chinese virus, I tell you. Oh my God. And someone at work sent me a video of all the clips of Trump saying, China virus. It's, it's <laughs> folks, you don't understand. It's a China virus. He's just, um, he's, I, uh, it's been a year, over a year since we've done the show. And can you believe that in that time, he's still alive? Yes, well, he's still in power, despite yeah. many attempts many to remove attempts. him from the White House, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. But he just keeps holding on to the doors and they just can't get him out. So I was never expecting him to be like shot or anything. I'm not saying he would be assassinated. I was just fully expecting him to have a big old fat heart attack. <laughs> just to be, a, oh, let me just have this this beautiful filet of fish and then just drop dead. I mean, uh, if he was eating a filet of fish, I mean, yeah. that's asking for it, really. Fish with cheese, the most disgusting thing I can imagine. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. I, I, I just thought he would get bored of it eventually. Yeah. He was like, this is, <laughs> this is a drain on my resources. I haven't been in my hotel in New York yeah. for a while. This, this overall... Mikey, you take over there. Get up in the big seat there. very yeah. little gold in this White House. <laughs> um, that's that's probably what he did. He's looking for Lincoln's ghost. Yeah, um, <laughs> the treasure I, that's buried in the back garden. All I found. I've was, seen National Treasure. I know what it's all about. I've, all I found was that stripper still in the cake from JFK's time. <laughs> they forgot to let her out of the cake. <laughs> and, uh, but he's he's still alive, and so are we. Both cooked up in our houses during this global pandemic who would have thought that the only thing to bring us back together would be literally the end of the world and staying apart from each other has brought us closer together yes some strange way to was what's what's the way they're saying to come together we've got to stay apart you like if Which you start... i'm sure is some sort of abba lyric yeah i think yeah it's i think it's somewhere in how deep is your love by the Bee Gees. <laughs> so what... the Gees saw this coming i know this <laughs> That's why most of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> is there only one they left? Out. They got out just in time. Is there only one BG left? Most but, importantly, does anybody know how Tom Hanks is doing? Because... Oh, I think... He, oh, God. International treasure, Tom Hanks. Um, I think he's fine. Yeah, he was. Really? I know he was discharged from a hospital or like some kind of... Medical facility. Medical, medical facility. Um, but I believe he's still in Australia because, sure, of course, nobody's going anywhere. Just hanging out with some kangaroos. Yeah, see that story that went around that was actually fake that, like, nurses got him a Wilson volleyball and threw it into him with the face on it. <laughs> that was oh, fake, everybody. Fake, fake news. So that that didn't happen. So that means officially what they there actually are did was no they good coronavirus polio, stories. Like, uh, like Forrest Gump had and you know, <laughs> went out of his... Forrest Gump is a shit movie. Well, we're going early with the, oh, with the hot takes. Here. Oh, I hate it. I would, I, I would have fucking hate. I wouldn't it. go as far as that, but I, I don't think it's very good. It's, I just, I was watch, I watched it before, and I was like half an hour into the movie, and I'm like, but when's it starting? 
Yeah. Like yeah. when's when's it start? What what's the st- oh this is the story. The story is just Forrest Gump being Superman. It's got the same problem as a lot of the Coen Brothers films yeah. in that events happen and the movie's over. Yeah. And then you just kind of go home and that's we went we went to see Hail Caesar. Remember Hail Caesar? Yes. Yes. Oh, you a... your crazy old moon. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, I, was a, that was an experience all right. I can't remember a thing of that movie although uh, I will say The Big Lebowski is one of my favourite movies Do you love yeah it's, it's, it's fine uh, <laughs> I like Fargo is Fargo one of those? Fargo is one of theirs yeah, I tried to watch Fargo's... that and fell asleep but again that's, that's very easily done yeah. but that was my problem because I went through this habit of like getting all oh, nice and toasty and cosy in bed and be able oh, to yeah, I yeah. just put you something in yourself to be yeah I'll just get nice and a big cinnamon bun in bed and stick on a nice gentle Coen Brothers movie <laughs> and uh, I just fell right asleep I also did the same thing trying to watch Citizen Kane <laughs> so nice light bedtime viewing I, I really enjoy but what we're going to talk about today if you don't remember what this show is basically we just like recommending things we just, you know, trust us. It's good. So we ju- we just kind of have our little opinions about these things. We like sharing things we like. We often give about th- give out about things we don't like, which is totally fine as well because that's fun. But uh, we also like if sharing we keep this things. show up, we might do a whole retrospective of the Transformers movies. Oh and... my god! Yes, we did. That was like an an emergency broadcast, nearly of the last. What was it called? The last night. Night oh, that's something. Yeah, um, we that was way back. Mark around. Wahlberg and the Round Table, or something like that. That movie, fucking sucked. Oh my that god! That was the, I've never walked out of a film. Yeah, and up until that point, I have walked out of one since. Oh, ooh. I I was just so angry at you because I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch the rest of this now because we're doing this podcast. And I, that... Like there was there was the bit where uh, that fat nerd I call and... my friend wants me to see this shit. There was just one moment where Anthony Hopkins flipped off one of the robots, <laughs> and I just thought, "This is it now. This is oh, the end of, of human pop culture." It's uh, all gone downhill for poor Anthony Hopkins. Oh, he uh, was having a right time, though. That, that was oh, the strangest thing. He was yeah, loving life. That's true. Like, this is the easiest paycheck I've ever had to yeah. make. Who is this? I had some to other... cut open Ray Liotta's head in a movie one time, and now I'm just flipping off robots. I mean, this is this is the dream. Stanley Tucci was the same in a previous Transformers film. I don't even know which one it is. I'm so lost in them. He was playing like this weird Steve Jobs kind of character, but he was just... Oh, he was Porky Pig. That's how hammy he was in it. And it was just... <laughs> but you could just tell, I am having a great time and I'm going to take my money and buy a new house. Thank you. Another beach house. What was the movie you walked out of? You have to tell us now. Oh, um, to be fair, there's an awful lot of... Uh, context around it it was crazy rich asians oh oh, so, oh my god you better yeah. explain the context <laughs> so essentially it was one of those times where you know in cinemas now you can have this uh mystery film kind of they do it on like oh uh, yes or something yeah and you pay like a tenner or it's a, a really cheap ticket and you don't know what film you're going to see and i remember there was just this one word and it was like it's a comedy yeah. So we were, you know, myself and my girlfriend were like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll try this out. And I can't remember, there was another big comedy out that weekend, and we thought it's probably going to be that one. So we went in and sat down, and it was crazy, crazy rich Asians. And we instantly looked at each other and went, mm, I'm not sure about this. But anyway, we sat down, we watched it, and 
there was just one part in the middle of it where it just literally becomes an ad for Singapore. <laughs> I just can't, I just can't get my head around what's the what's the point of this film? Yeah. But the, like I understand that there's, you know, it's basically a way to get, you know, more Asian representation on screen. Yeah, and, which is a know, good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can understand that, but yeah. for me as a white person sitting in a screen <laughs> on the east coast of Ireland, it just it just wasn't a film for me. And uh, uh, again, it was one of those films where I I'm not a big fan of, you know, kind of Downton Abbey and you know all these kind of look at the lives of rich people oh, yeah. and that's very I much what the mean. film was yeah. like there was a bit where they just go out to international waters on a big gigantic oh. yacht and, <laughs> and do, do like, monkeys oh, fight <laughs> monkey knife like fighting yeah. <laughs> and basically that was just you know yeah. well this film is certainly not for me and we just decided to go so okay and like, it, it was probably fine I'm sure people yeah. enjoyed it but the know, only thing very is... much a film for rich people or crazy or you know, yeah, Asian. So. Okay. The only <laughs> thing is, I would things. just, I would just always be careful when you're just telling us a story like that, and in the middle of it, you say, "As a white man, that's <laughs> that's bound to get <laughs> that us in trouble." That eventually. doesn't reflect well on me, all right. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I have Asian friends, and that kind of gets me out of everything, right? <laughs> hey, let's talk about stuff that we like. So, what we're going to do right now to to get us back into the swing of things is talk about the stuff that is getting us through this current global pandemic the stuff that we're listening to or reading when we're washing our hands vigorously for the 102nd time that day which you should all be doing so we've kind of got ourselves a little list of stuff bits and pieces that we just want to share quickly we're not going to spend too long on them we're just kind of going to give you an overview a bit of a a bit of a taste of everything isn't it Uh, very much so yeah so let's i think we're going to start with let's start with albums um, actually Joe I'm just going to rattle through all my stuff because let's that, just burn through this because let's not keep you waiting like wondering oh what, what are they going to talk about it's so so intriguing you have to uh, get back to washing your hands so. exactly it's been about what 10 minutes recording now so I need to wash them already I'm going to talk about two brand new albums that have come out this year there's been a whole year of music since our last recorded episode of Trust Me It's Good and eh, there wasn't really anything too major. I don't know. Last year was was a bit of a I don't know. Couple 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 of good albums, but a couple of bummers. Yeah, overall it was a, it was a slightly lean year. Yeah. Um, but, but I think I, it's even so far, you know, three months in and you know a month almost under quarantine. There's been some pretty decent music coming out so far as well. Absolutely, I think 2020 is off to a flyer, especially when I talk about these two albums. The first one, let's talk about, but the brand new Tame Impala album. The king of indie music these days, Kevin Parker, the Australian guy. I'm so sorry to any Australian listeners for that. But he is better known by his stage name, Tame Impala. Back in 2015, he released the incredible album, Currents, which was groundbreaking for all the right kind of reasons. Sorry, I, I'm going to have to put in. Is Tame Impala just one person? Tame Impala is one man. Oh, wow. that's oh. that's blown my whole world wide open here. I was Ooh, kind of imagining Tim and Eric mind blown gif. Yeah, no. Well, he when he tours, he has a whole band, but when he's recording his music, it's one man in one studio doing everything. So I I, I had the same reaction when I found out because I always assumed it was a band as well, but no, one guy, Mister Kevin Parker, who made this album in his studio in Fremantle in Western Australia. And 
And a lot of questions were hanging out because how do you follow up an album like Currents? It had some, it was called the best Australian song of the last decade in um, The Less I Know The Better. One of my all time favorite songs in Let It Happen. And it's mm. one of them albums which just kind of plays start to finish and you're like, piece of goddamn work. How do you follow it up? You follow it up with a new studio album called The Slow Rush that came out on uh, Valentine's Day this year. And he's been teasing it for months at this stage. The first singles came out last year in March and April, the song called Patience, which ultimately didn't make it onto the actual album. And then the song called Borderline, which did, albeit in a brand new cut. Um, it's it's mixed very differently. Um, I'm not going to dwell too long on it because... It's not as good as Currents. It just isn't. There are some really brilliant songs on it. Borderline, which was the second single, is a fantastic song. It's got bongos in it. Who doesn't love bongos? But it's just got this great kind of driving beat that's, you know, it's funky and really danceable as well. I prefer the single mix of it than the album version. The album version is kind of a bit more stripped back. There's not, it's, I don't know... It's it's a bit more bare, so it's still good. Obviously, this is, you know, it's still the same song. It's just it's a bit more bare. The single mix has a bit more life to it. Um, in total, the album is fine. There's a couple of songs that you can actually skip over, but there's a it's a, some good stuff on there as well. Tomorrow's dust, lost in yesterday. It might be time. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. The opening track, one more year, is is out of nowhere. Just hits you, and I'm like, oh. The opening track, I was in, I was sold, but then the kind of the rest of the album f- fell away. I still kind of liked it. It, it, and as a whole, it is very nice. It's an hour long for twelve songs, which kind of happens with Tame Impala. So you know, it's a bit of an experience. If you wanted the singles that he's released over the last year, they're the stuff you want to be listening to, really. If you want to get kind of the good stuff from the album. But a new Tame Impala album is, is always something to talk about, especially after after this huge success of Currents. But Currents is still far and away the best thing he's done and will I don't think will ever be ever be caught, really. The other album I want to talk about, though, is my favourite of the year so far. It's from a man called Stephen Malkmus. Um, if you don't know the name, he was the lead singer and guitarist of a band called Pavement. Which oh, in, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Which in the 90s was probably, they're, they're probably one of the biggest 90s rock bands, where, um, especially in the States, where they were just this alternative sound, you know, uh, uh, what's that word I'm looking for when you release a lot of work? Um, I don't know. I don't know. We haven't done the show in so long that my vocabulary's gone to pot. Anyway. They've released a lot of work. They have a lot of albums out there. They're, if you can just find their best of, it's actually brilliant. But do check out the. They pay- would have been kind of post grunge, wouldn't they? Yeah, they they. they uh, you, I wouldn't have called them grunge at all, but they would be they'd be much more rock than grunge. Um, kind of like early Foo Fighters, that kind of. Yeah, yeah. They, they started in '89. They're, they're and you know they're Californian, so they've kind of got that kind of beach swag. Vibes. Yeah, well, not even beach, kind of a bit of swagger about them. Mm. But they were just always really cool. Stephen Malcolmus, 
the leader of it has gone his own way and does his own thing. He had a little side project for a couple of years called Stephen Malcolmus and the Jicks. But over the past two years, he started to release just true solo stuff. Um, in 20, let me do my maths now, 2018, he brought out an album with the Jicks called Sparkle Hard, which is fantastic. Last year, he brought out a solo album called Groove Denied, which was all well, mostly electronic music. It's weird, man. It's really weird, but also kind of dig it. It's, it's a good listen. This year, he's come out with a, another solo album called Traditional Techniques that is basically a folk album. It's all acoustic instruments. He is, uh, the, it was produced by a member of one, uh, uh, one of the members of the Decemberists, which is a big folk, indie folk rock band. And it also features like Afghanistani, Afghan musicians, I should say. That's the proper term, Afghan musicians. So it's, it's that kind of sound. But it is brilliant. It's so good. You, you don't expect him, this godfather of, of indie rock, 90s rock, to be so subtle at the same time. Like, it, it's very, it's nearly a very homely album. It sounds more homemade than Tame Palace, which was literally homemade. It's really subtle, really nice, but it still got kind of some of, you know, Malcolm's alternative leanings. Let's have, uh, you know some of the songs. You know, for example, the one that'll get you straight away. There's a song called "The Greatest Own in Legal History." So you know he's still kind of for for a guy in his I think his late forties, early fifties. He's still got this cool, young, hip lean to him that he absolutely gets away to get gets away with. And this album is just—it's a wonderful, wonderful folk album. It's really got that feel. Apparently, he plays. He recorded the whole thing with a, a 12-string guitar and the sound is, is lovely. It caught me completely off guard when I heard it. I wasn't expecting to be so blown away by it. I might come back another time and give like a proper review of it, but far and away my favourite album of the year so far. And there's been other, some really other good ones as well. But they're, they're my two albums that are kind of get me through this so far. The two that I keep going back to, even though I said, you know, I enjoy the slow rush, not Tame Palace best, but I keep going back. Traditional techniques, I just keep sticking on and listen to again and again because it's been very, very lovely. But one thing that's been taking up all my time recently, and it drives me fucking crazy, is the new Animal Crossing game on the Switch. Oh, no. Oh, I've, yes. I've heard some rumblings from your discontent, all right, so I'm, I'm very uh, interested to see now, I've never, where this goes. I I've, I've I will say I've never been an Animal Crossing fan. I've played one game on the DS before and I kind of gave up after a while because I didn't get it. But this one is more set on figuring figuring it all out. If you don't know about Animal Crossing, because I don't think Animal Crossing is as big here as it would be in the, like of, in the likes of the States and in Japan. The idea is basically that you have this little village or in this case an island. It's called Animal Crossing New Horizons, by the way, on Nintendo Switch. You get this island and you basically have to build it up. So the, uh, throughout the whole game, you learn about a couple of things. One, you learn about debt. You just go into debt immediately because you owe people money for traveling to the island. Then you owe people money for building a house, all this kind of stuff. And you also learn about just working every day of your life in the game. Because I'm playing the game I'm like, okay, what do I do now? It's like, oh, I, I have to break rocks. And I have to cut down trees. 
and I have to fish and I have to take all those things and sell them for money so I like so that I can survive the next day and I repeat that day and I repeat the next day and I repeat so on and so on and so on and I, I kind of get it if you like that kind of thing it's a bit repetitive but at the same time you can very easily get lost in it and enjoy it if you like that kind of thing fine I didn't initially I kind of got to the end of the first day because it runs in the real time clock by the way so whatever time it is in real life when you play the game it's that time in the game so I'm like okay I'll do my couple of tasks here we go and then I finish all those tasks and I'm like okay now what I'm like that's that's next it's like oh well you have to wait for this next event to happen but that's happening tomorrow Uh, literally tomorrow so I just have to sit and wait or go break more rocks and cut down trees and fish and do it all again and again. And is there no way you can kind of cheat the game and say, like, you know, change the clock on, on your Switch and Absolutely. say, oh, look, it's, it's, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Hey. You could totally do that. And I've done that before with uh, Pokemon that came out on Switch. You can change the date to try and get different Pokemon and stuff. But I didn't want to do it with this one because I was afraid in case I went forward... And if I then, like, brought the date back and went back into the game, they'd be like, whoa, hang on. What have you done? So I haven't tried it. I'm sure you could actually do it and get away with it. But that was just me being like, no, I don't I don't want to do that. But at the same time, I am actually still ticking away at it. I do find myself popping into it every day to do, to do my couple of things. I've got, now got new people moving into my island. And I'm like, hey, new faces. Thanks for coming. And you can visit other islands and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I still have to break rocks and cut down trees and fish yeah, and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And make chairs. So when these new people come to your island, by the way, you have to find a place to put their house and then make all their furniture. And I'm like, oh, hang on. I'm making this bitch a bed. I don't even have my own bed yet. I'm still <laughs> literally in I'm the, sleeping on the floor. I'm literally in like a cot, I think they call it. It's like it's just a... a like hammock nearly thing and like so I made her the bed I'm like no I'm not giving you this fucking bed this is just a fine bed I'm keeping it so it's I suppose you're learning about giving to other people or some horseshit but it's kind of it, it, if you can get into it it is soothing I don't spend too long in every day until I'm just bored really but I'm going to keep taking away because I want to see whatever else happens if there is any kind of storyline, which there isn't really. The story is, hey, you're and on this new it, island. Enjoy. Is it similar to, you know, Pokemon where there's, you know, a set of baddies and you have to... No. That's nope. the thing. It's the most... People have been so looking forward to... It's the, it, Nintendo couldn't have timed this global pandemic better <laughs> because it is, a, it is a bit of an escapist game. As I said, if you like repetitive kind of things with nice music and pretty animation, then you're away in a hack. It's a great game for that. But I personally, this this show is all about our personal opinions and this is mine. I just get bored of it after a little while. And I'm like, okay, well, fine. I did my bit. I'll see you tomorrow. So it, it's, I'm, as I said, I'm going to keep popping back in because it's there and I'll enjoy it. But I can absolutely, I'm lucky enough I got the actual cartridge. I can foresee myself training it in. <laughs> Maybe in a couple of months and getting the next hotness, which I won't like, and train in again. That's the way it works. And I very quickly want to mention, I think this is the first time we're talking about these on this show. We're talking about books. 
I very quickly want to mention a book that I'm getting through right now. I'm such a bad reader. I can't ever make myself sit down and just read a book, but I'm determined to during this pandemic because there's fuck well, to be to fair be I, I found that it's a great excuse to just sit down and you know you just get fed up of reading the news and That's you know checking true. facebook and stuff like that and yeah. it's just great to just it is the ultimate escapism you're not just looking exactly. at a screen you're just sitting down having something physical in your hands and you can just be transported to another world and that's what it's all about really you know just keeps the brain ticking over more than anything else exactly and this one is perfect for me it's the book by adam savage from the mythbusters Oh, it's, this sounds good. Oh, it's so good. It's called Every Tool is a Hammer. Life is what you make it. And so we all, I I grew up loving the Mythbusters. Were you a fan or? Oh, very much so, yes, yeah. It, yeah. Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman. Um, but like you're watching the show and you think they're scientists. I always thought they were some kind of scientists. In Adam's case, he's not. He's literally, he was a prop builder. He built props for yeah, the Star Wars Yeah, I always find the interesting episodes were the ones where they were, you know, taking, you know, James Bond movies and saying, well, could this actually happen in real life? Yeah. Or, you know, the whole famous, uh, could Rose have kept Jack up on the door in yes, Titanic exactly. and stuff like that. So yeah. those are always my favorite episodes. Absolutely. But he is a maker. He physically just loves building things. And he has written this book called, Every tool is a hammer, where it's basically his entire philosophy about making and building. As uh, you know, if you want to realize how much it is about that, there is a chapter, a, a sizable amount of a chapter that is dedicated to just talking about different types of glue. And I was <laughs> wow, okay. riveted. I love it. I loved all that kind of stuff. When I got to do uh, woodwork back in school, I loved it. I loved the art of making things. He's a big Lego fan. He's a big Star Wars fan. So basically, he's my new best friend. And it's 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 very it's very motivational in the way it wants you to to make something to use your hands to make something. But you're also learning things about life. He has a whole chapter about deadlines and goal setting. And I think a lot of that you could apply in real life. He he's also of course he does a lot of stuff on YouTube now he's got a channel called Tested which is where he does these one day builds which are my some of my favorite videos on the internet there's wonderful ones where he makes a, a Totoro costume or all these little kind of gadgets and doohickeys for his his big workshop it's it's just wonderful I love seeing someone passionate about what they're doing doing it but also relating that passion very well that's what the book is it's it's a wonderful wonderful read i thought the book was actually going to be more of a guide on how to make things like tips and tricks it's not really it's more just of a big overview of the guide a lot of his kind of personal history it's just it's a wonderful thing and it's a book that's really got me back into reading i've got a kind of a queue of books ready to go now after this i don't have much much left in this book i want to finish it soon and I'm going to uh, do that as soon as I can. So, so there you go. A, a quite a broad in overview of all the things that are getting me through this this weird isolation period we all live in. That being said, I have all the stuff lined up, but Disney Plus is now out, so I'm just going to be sitting on my hall watching. Yeah, that's kind of ruined everything oh. that I wanted to do as well because yeah. now I have Simpsons on tap whenever I yeah. want, and that's that's the I ultimate was, dream. I was in my car. I so I still have to leave the house to go to work I was in my car during my lunch break watching recess I'm like this this is life this is living and my chicken sandwich in recess loved it 
Mikey and Gus and oh. all the gang. Well, here's I hear uh, the thing that blew my mind. Gus isn't in it yet. Gus wasn't oh, in. I think oh. the first couple of episodes. There's an episode where he's introduced. Oh, I, think, I thought the whole thing was based around was I. I knew he came into it, but I thought that was the whole you know basis for the show that he was the new kid and they had to, you know, he had to find yeah. his own friends and stuff like that. You, you yeah. are right. That is an episode, but it's just I didn't. I don't think it's the first couple anyway. It's not the one that I yeah, watched. Yeah. But there we go. That's that's my sweeping overview of all the shit that's keeping me going. Well, it's my turn, I guess, now. And uh, like Kevin, I'm going to talk about two different albums, a book and a game. And I'll start off with, uh, I, I've kind of made this uh, kind of a new thing and an old thing. So my new album is the 2020 Vision album from Anti-Flag. And longtime listeners to the show will be very familiar with my metal and uh, punk uh, leanings particularly when it comes to you know older music and anti-flag were one of the the first punk bands that ever came into um kind of on the you know they're on the punk side of pop punk whereas you know green day or somebody like that would be on the pop side especially now they actually have a new album out this year as well uh the father of all uh i can't remember what the name of it is but it's a pretty decent album as well and uh it's very interesting to see how particularly older bands uh older punk bands are starting to really you know either dig into their philosophies as anti-flag have and you know still have that anger and still have that hunger to you know make a change in the world and then you've got somebody like green day who it's probably fair to say that they've you know they've made their money they don't need to be the angry young men anymore and they're just very much enjoying their music and there there's one of the new songs uh, for Green Day on their new album, which is called I Was a Teenage Teenager, which I don't know what that means, <laughs> but they sound like they're having a great time singing it. So, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's right. He's yeah, great. He's literally run out of things to say. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a former child. <laughs> and future, you know, elderly person, hopefully. Yeah. So. Um, Soon to be but, old man. Yeah, Billy Joe Armstrong and the lads, they're, you know, still enjoying themselves. And then you've got a band like Anti-Flag who are very much still uh, fighting against the power. And this new album is no different to something like Bright Lights in America, which was my sort of calling when it came to listening to Anti-Flag and Rise Against and, you know, sort of older punk bands than Dead Kennedys and, uh, you know, uh, somebody like Black Flag or something like that. But Anti-Flag's new album, of course, you know, they say that Bad President's equal great music and oh, yeah. um this is their this is their second album since himself came into the white house american fall came out in 2017 which very much in the same vein but i think american fall was a bit more of an anger at the situation whereas i think there's been a bit more of a you know maturing when it comes to a, the idea of well we're in this now and what can we do to change you know our attitudes towards it and what can we do to make it better uh, it's very interesting that they should release an album called 2020 Vision, you know, looking towards November and, you know, the possible change that could be coming in America. Um, so it's it's an album with an awful lot of uh, anger in it still, but there's a, a great feeling of, you know, we can do something about it as well, that it's in yeah. our hands, that, you know, if you go out and, you know, protest and vote, uh, the protesting is actually really starts off the album there's a, a clip from mr uh, donald j uh, right at the very start of the album from a i think it was a, a campaign rally back before he was even chosen as the nominee for the republicans where he was talking about protesters outside of his uh his campaign rally in i don't know idaho or ohio or somewhere like that 
uh, talking about how in the good old days uh, they wouldn't have been tolerated and they would have dealt with them very roughly as you know the eloquent yeah, yeah. Uh, speech maker that he is. Um, but that leads into the song Hate Conquers All, which is um, it's a very fast song. It's a very uh, loud song and it, it really set, sort of sets the tone for the rest of the album. Um, 2020 Vision is something similar. Uh, but for me, the the first single from the album was Christian Nationalist, which is a, a song that very much looks at the uh, the Charlottesville um, massacre. You could almost call it with, you know, unfortunately, the death of Heather Hare and the attack by what what they say Christian nationalists, which is a term used to hide behind for, you know, neo-Nazis and stuff like that. And they're uh-huh. very much on the side of, you know, either admit what you are, which is, you know, they straight up say, you know, a Christian nationalist is a terrorist, that you can't just hide behind, you know, these terms that you can dream up for yourself on your internet forums and stuff like that. And that's where the album is really at its strongest when it's calling out that, you know, hypocrisy on on the the right side of politics. But again, this album is very different in uh, American Fall, where it's a bit more positive. It's a bit more, um, what can we do to change this? Don't let the bastards get you down. It's very much a song with a bit of hope at the end of it, you know, that, you know, we can do something to change this and it's in our hands. Unbreakable is something similar. That's the very next song. Um, we won't talk about the disease, which is an unfortunately named song for oh, this yeah. time, uh, particularly with yeah. the lyric, uh, you know, we are the disease, the oh, viral yeah. outbreak to kill the untrue. So, yeah, you know, we've, uh, we've got enough in of that, another thank time you. that might that might come to uh, to come to pass. But uh, at the minute, you could probably skip over that one when you're going to look at the album un-american is very similar to the franco un-american for anybody who's a, a no effects fan from back in the 90s as well so there's plenty to be positive about on this album while still remaining you know the anti-flag anger that you know long-term fans will know and love um moving to my older album and an album that's turning 40 this year and a very very interesting album as well is back in black by acdc oh yeah i've heard of it uh, best-selling rock album of all time the second best-selling album of all time behind uh, michael jackson's thriller and a very very interesting album as well i was just reading back on the you know the actual story of the album when you look at how quickly it was made uh back in nasa in the bahamas which I just can't get that image out of my head, which is, you yeah. know, Brian Johnson, the man who used to be in a band called Geordie, who was, you know, drinking Newcastle Brown Ale and, you know, appearing on Top of the Pops maybe once. And now he's down, you know, <laughs> recording with one of the biggest bands of all time who have just lost their lead singer in Bon Scott. He died in February. They started to record the album in around uh, April and had it out by May. So this is a band that no. just, you know, doesn't let anything phase it, just keeps on rocking, keeps on I, going. Um, I... I... Only recently, kind of, well, the last couple of years, realised that there was two different lead singers of ACDC. Really? I, you, yeah. You I, well, I, I see, I've never been a huge big fan to, to know too much about him. But, so, like, when Bon Scott died, what, how did quickly did, did Brian Johnson come in? Or what, what what's what's the whole deal there? Like, how, Yeah, so bon, bon Scott, of course, was the original singer, the one that helped the band sort of, you know, make the leap from, you know, just being... A slightly large, you know, kind of had a few hits on the radio in Australia to the big, you know, Highway to Hell band. So that's yeah. basically it. Highway to Hell is the Bon Scott song and Back in oh, Black okay. will be the Frank Johnson song. Okay. So Highway to Hell was 78, I believe. Um, so that would have been their sort of real breakthrough on this side of the, 
the hemisphere, you know, in the Western hemisphere. And Bon Scott was, you know, really starting to come into his own. He was starting to be a well-known superstar. And, uh, you know, there was a, a great little tidbit I remember reading about his, you know, reading about his uh, listening to his mother on the phone and just telling her, you know, uh, I feel this next album, Back in Black, this is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, he died on the 19th of February in 1980. And, you know, like I say, a lot of bands, it's very interesting to see that later on in the year, you'd have John Bonham, who would die in sort of similar circumstances, you know, just had a, a bit too much to drink on the party in the night before and, uh, you know, unfortunately succumbed. And, you know, Led Zeppelin just decided that was it. We we're just going to stop. There's no more Led Zeppelin forever now. Whereas ACDC were the band of the, you know, the working class and wouldn't have the same, you know, resources to draw on as Led Zeppelin and decided, you know what, we have to keep going. It's exactly what Bond would want. And like I say, Bond dies in February. They start recording in April. They've got their new singer, Brian Johnson, literally you know, sort of half known in Newcastle and not very much elsewhere. Uh, yeah. I think they had just seen him in some sort of little clip on top of the pops one time and decided this guy is our guy. He was announced on the 1st of April, so April Fool's Day. I don't oh, know if you're boy. suspicious or, you know, full of omens or anything like that. And the album was finished by May. So this is a band that just keeps on rocking. And, you know, maybe that's a, a good uh, lesson to take for our times is that, you know, sometimes, you know, you will get... Uh, life will throw you some obstacles and throw them in your way but if you just keep on you know put your head down work and you know they recorded some of the best rock songs some of the best you know it's even a little bit of a heavy metal album in places as well um you know and started there's a great little piece about um brian johnson's first ever gig you know he had recorded the album before he had ever actually had a gig with them so he was in a little place in you know the back arse of belgium somewhere and he was, you know, his knees were knocking. This was his first time playing for, you know, a, a major audience with one of the biggest bands in the world who had just released their, you know, magnum opus. It, essentially, uh, the album was selling about 10,000 copies a day in the US alone at one stage. So, you know, people would be killing to sell 10,000 albums, you know, in an album's run, to, you know, an album's lifetime now. Yeah. Whereas, you know, ACDC were doing it in one day. And he just remembers looking out and one of the Belgian people in the crowd had this sign which says you know r.i.p bon but best of luck brian (laughs) you know and he says that was just the loveliest thing he'd ever seen and you know it just helped him to get over his little bit of a stage fright he says the the first gig was a little ropey in places as he was you know just trying to to get to grips with you know the the young brothers and try to get to the pitch that you know bon would have sang sang the old songs but uh just talking about the album itself back in black obviously the title track is one of the most iconic songs of all time, that three chord blast at the start. And, you know, it's it's one of the songs that doesn't matter where you are in the world, it's going to pick up your spirits, you know, play that in any club anywhere and people will sing along and rock along to it. Uh, it starts with the, uh, you know, almost creepy Hell's Bells, um, which is, you know, obviously it has that uh, church bell ringing at the start to sort of pay tribute to Bond and, then, you know, they just get straight down to it. Let's have a, a massive rock song to go with. Uh, you've got What Do You Do For Money, Honey, which keeps up that sort of cheeky chap, you know, sort of double entendre that Bond would have loved in his songs as well when he was writing. And you've got You Shook Me All Night Long, which is, again, in that Back in Black, a song that everybody will know most I, of the words to, even I if you've never tried to listen to it. 
It's an absolutely brilliant song. Same with something like Have a Drink on Me or Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution. These are songs that have just been ingrained, you know, very much that you wouldn't even have to think about them. You just know the lyrics. They're just part of our absolute um, lexicon when it comes to rock and roll. And again, the whole point of the album was just to, you know, not let the, you know, outer tragedies that you have no control over to get you down and just keep your head down. And they recorded probably probably the best album of their career, one of the best albums of the 80s, one of the best rock albums of all time. And it's something that in my time of need, when I need to, you know, just sit back and relax and have that bit of escapism, I can just listen to the lads, you know, giving the dog a bone, which yeah. is again, sort of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, trying to get past the censors kind of song. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an awful lot. Uh, yeah, really loved it. Sold 50 million copies worldwide and they worked really, really hard for every single one of them. And uh, it's great to see that, you know, they're still around. They're still, you know, hopefully making music within the next, you know, obviously we don't know how long this is going to go on, but hopefully within the next year, we'll hopefully have, you know, something to follow up uh, the the latest stuff. And ACDC songs, without being a massive fan myself, they just bring a lot of happiness and joy into your into your heart. And uh, they're great to just sing along to when you've had a few beers or even when you're just, you know, driving down the road. ACDC made a song for every single uh, occasion that you can think of and uh, Back in Black is full of them so it's definitely worth checking out once again uh, moving to my game um, again a little bit of a warning with this one because I have a, a bit of a, a unsensitive insensitive uh, uh, playing style so I decided to play a game called A Plague's Tale oh, Innocence which subtle. is <laughs> again yeah, subtle a very very subtle yeah, yeah. an action adventure horror <laughs> stealth game if you will yeah. From uh, back in May of last year, and uh, it's set during the plague in France uh, during the Hundred Years' War as well. So you're playing as a little girl called Amicia de Ruin, which is uh, unusual for me. I would never really, you know, play sort of female-led games, and uh, it's very interesting to see how this game very much uh, puts her center stage. She's a little brother as well, which becomes very, very important to the story as well as he becomes sick. Uh, with a plague-like illness, it turns out to be, uh, without having too much spoilers, it's you know a bit more than the plague, and there's a, a little bit of uh, magic trickery comes into the game as well. But mm-hmm. again, a very much an action adventure game where uh, you can uh, it it gets in this kind of first-person shooter base where you have a, a sling, and you know you have to attack enemies, and the real sort of standout enemies in the game are the rats. Uh, I don't know oh. if you've ever seen any trailers for this game, but no, I uh, the rats actually. are very much the the sort of key element to it. And it, it's very clear that the the developers behind this game, um, the uh, where what are they called? Uh, yeah, Asbro uh, Studio. They've worked really, really hard, and their only game really before this would have been a racing game called Fuel. And the company you wanted to have this sort of narrative driven game similar to like the last of us or yeah. uh, a tale of two sons. And they're very much worked hard on, you know, rendering all these rats onto the screen. And it really feels like there's, you know, 500, 5,000, you know, a hundred thousand rats coming at you. And, you know, you have to use sort of fire to make them stay away. And there's <clears throat> lots of little, you know, not too difficult puzzles, but something that will just, you know, kind of keep your mind entertained for a while. The difficulty isn't too much either. You know, there's a couple of enemies in there, but 
you can sort of take them out in multiple ways. You can use the rats to your advantage at times, and you can use the fire to your advantage. And there's just a, a lot that you can go through the game and never have to kill the same enemy the same way twice, you know. And that's it keeps your you interested. The story itself is is quite interesting as well. You know, moving through France and helping other people. There's uh, an awful lot of alchemy in the game, so that little bit of magic trickery to sort of get past other enemies as well. You meet a, a great cast of characters. Uh, Laurentis is an alchemist, and you team up with his apprentice, Lucas. You meet uh, a brother and sister team who are basically trying to beat the English army, which is attacking during the Hundred Years' War themselves. And, you know, these sort of children, these teenagers really, are all teaming up to take on the Catholic Church in the end, which turns out to be one of the main enemies in the game. They're trying to, you know, make money off of this uh, plague and, you know, try to get everybody back into the church so they can pray off them, if you like. Um, so oh, it's hi a very Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> but, uh, no, it's a, it's a very interesting game, and, and obviously not to the levels that we're experiencing at the minute, but just to, to get back and to play this game, again, from a different point of view, from a, a young girl playing, you know, in rural France, and a very interesting game that always keeps you entertained there's always different things to do there's you know different sort of challenges the narrative <coughs> is interesting the final boss is an awful lot of fun as well so it's definitely a game i think you should try out it's yes. it's not a long game either it's it's quite a uh, you know you could probably knock it out in a night if you really wanted to is so. is the final boss splinter from teenage mutant ninja turtles Oh, that would be amazing! Now, it's it's rat sense rat. Whatever yes, his name is, sense. Well, now to be fair, it's it's called a plague tale innocence, and at the end, you know, there is a hint of a sequel. So, you know, if you want to send in, you know, maybe a letter to Focus Home Interactive or Asbro Studio, you know, they might take it on yeah. board. Uh, I don't know if he was around in you know 13th century France or uh, that. But yeah, but they, they like, can find a way to put him in with the alchemy and all that kind of stuff. So he was also a ninja rat, so like we can bend the rules here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Time traveling say. ninja rat. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be too out of the realms of possibility. Yeah. I, I've seen some <laughs> of the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. They don't oh, have to God. take everything that quite seriously. Will <laughs> no, definitely. A Plague Tale Innocence is, yeah. is definitely something you should add to your, your playing list if who, you were stuck in front of your game. There. Who thought that casting Megan Fox as April O'Neil was a good idea? Well, good God. you know. Um, <laughs> Have you not I seen actually, the Transformer movies? Yeah, imagine somebody looking at that and thinking, you know, she is the star in all this. Yeah, she... <laughs> Sorry, Turtles, take a hike. We got this news reporter here. Oh, well. And, and finally, uh, my book to recommend for you all is A Farewell to Arms. I decided to uh, go back into some classic authors that I had never experienced before. And Ernest Hemingway, um, a man who... Oh, my God. Is, is, uh, I, I wouldn't really know how to explain. You know, he's just one of these classic writers of American traditions and, you know, very much inspired an awful lot of the modern American writers as well. Um, it's... Basically, it's kind of a fictionalized tale of his uh, campaign working with the Italians during World War One. He was working in the uh, ambulance division and had uh, moved over to Italy. And basically, it's a love tale of how he falls in love with the nurse in the hospital where he's uh, he ends up unfortunately injured. But uh, please, uh, please, please tell me he loses his arms. 
he doesn't lose his arm. Oh, then what's the point like, of the book? <laughs> a farewell to arms. arms. It's right there. Yeah, that's true, actually. That, I, I had never made that connection, but you're absolutely correct. No, it's a leg injury, unfortunately. Ah, but, uh, why is it called it fucking a farewell to legs, then? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Hemingway, you hack. Uh, I, I believe the... Um, the title is taken from a poem from some sort of 16th century oh. English poet, uh, George Peel there. so uh, Did he lose his arms? George, um, <laughs> possibly. Possibly. Uh, George Peel. Never heard of him since, so he oh. couldn't have done that much writing. Oh, that would explain yeah. losing your arms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've only finished half the book. Uh, it's, it's quite an interesting tale in that, you know, as I mentioned, Ernest Hemingway is regarded as one of these classic writers of the American tradition, and yet this very much feels like a kind of a, you know, a freshman effort. Whereas you're kind of, especially at the start of the book, there was a couple of chapters where I thought, you know, this guy is regarded as one of the best. So it's, it's a book that I would encourage you to stick with that. The language in it is quite simple in that, um, you know, it's very much told from this American soldiers style, you know, uh, very direct in what he sees, you know, he's, yeah looks at everything tactically and you know this hill is only important because i could get up on an, an, an attack you know and that kind of thing so it's not a very flowery language that i was kind of expecting it's very more kind of as i mentioned direct and you know there's not a whole lot of subtlety to what he's saying either and um but as the book goes on he has this sort of great cast of characters around him who are all members of the italian ambulance corps who are you know who have this every every single scene they seem to be drinking some sort of wine or grappa or something you know so they're always kind of these drunkards who are driving these ambulances and living their best lives exactly yeah so um there's a, a lot of great dialogue between those guys and um and the the main character frederick henry and if you know the love story is your thing as well there's the the wonderful english nurse catherine who comes in uh, just a little bit into the book and uh, the main character, Frederick, has to work his way back to her and then escape as he decides, you know, maybe this war isn't for me and they have to escape to uh, Switzerland in the end. Um, So uh, very much, um, I wouldn't say a simple book because it does get a bit more complex and particularly the escape from um, some sort of, uh, as the Italians come in for a retreat, uh, they decide to take their anger out on the officers, and as an officer himself, Henry is one of the first to go. So he has to make this daring escape from some traitors in his own army, and uh, that's a very, very exciting part of the book. And it kind of encouraged me to keep going. So um, while it, it mightn't be the most, you know, flowery book you might read, and I imagine Hemingway's later works might have been a bit more, um, you know, sort of fictional and a bit more, you know airy fairy really to, he's a, to he was it. the old man in the sea wasn't he Is that that's right yeah yeah and uh for whom the bell tolls would be another one as well but mm-hmm. uh it, it's very much uh, a book that does exactly what it says in the tin you know it's it's about uh you know an ambulance driver <laughs> it's about a man losing his arms <laughs> no unfortunately not kevin I can't <laughs> then it's a lie it's a bold-faced lie Unfortunately, not. But um, you know, maybe he loses him in the, the Man in the Sea. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> the it, sequel. A is farewell. there a Moby Dick ty- style character that comes into that book and you know bites off Captain Ahab's arm? A farewell to Arms too. The fair. The uh, what? I don't know. Up to your elbows. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, 
But uh, if you are in in terms of <laughs> wanting to watch a film version, In Love and War was the uh, film version of this. And it's not a direct translation of the book. It's actually about Hemingway himself writing, you know, the events leading up to him writing the book. So uh, that's got Chris O'Donnell, if you remember Chris O'Donnell. Uh, I do, and his nipples. <laughs> yes, he was Robin in the infamous Batman films. Holy rusted uh, metal, Batman! And Sandra Bullock, who I believe was in every single 90s film there. So uh, yeah. uh, I haven't watched that myself, but I imagine it's it's quite decent. Uh, Sandra Bullock is always pretty good. So uh, if you don't want to take the time to watch, uh, to read A Farewell to Arms, uh, In Love and War is what you want to watch instead. But I would encourage you uh, to stick with A Farewell to Arms. It's very, uh, it, it sort of grabs you near the end and particularly the the dialogue is very realistic and it's very, you know, it strikes home, particularly the sort of, the loving passages towards the end where, you know, they are having to try this daring escape to uh, get to Switzerland. It's, it's uh, well worth the read. So A Farewell to Arms is my book to recommend. Trust me, it's pretty good. There we go. So a, a, a bounty, a bevy of shite to keep you going through this um, crazy pandemic world we live in. Um, I said, hopefully I'm finishing up my book soon. I have others lined up. I, you know, I... So I've wanted to get back into reading for a long time. And one thing I find myself thinking more and more is I'm really not interested in fiction. Like, Yeah, you're more of a, a non-fiction kind yeah, of a biography kind of person. Yeah, not, not even really biography, but just kind of people writing about things they know and like and why. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the, my favorite books reading last year was the book about Radio Caroline. Oh the, yeah! If you if you got around to reading that one uh, about no. a, a pirate radio station, which was literally on a boat in the middle of the sea, they were yeah. actual pirates. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was that was a very interesting tale. Are ye be listening to Radio Caroline? Uh, it's great actually working in the radio industry where I can talk to people and they were like, "Oh yeah, I remember Radio Caroline. We'd go down to the beach in Wexford and you know you could tune into it on ninety five point seven or whatever it was." So. Uh, literal pirates that's that's yeah. kind of what I like in my books too yeah so uh, thank you for for listening in again It's it's been a long time since we've done this show but well, we decided while well, we're all just sitting here picking our holes doing absolutely nothing we may as well break it back out again all Aiden's idea and I'm, I'm glad he suggested it it's glad to be good to be back and um, for a while boredom our, is the best sauce I believe is the for, expression so. there you go get us going for a while our back catalogue this is episode 40 appropriately uh, for a while our back catalogue of shows was cut right down because of the host we were using but now that is all resolved so you can listen back to every episode we've done right here on this feed wherever you find the show we're up on iTunes and a lot of other uh, podcast providers and of course our social channels will be back up and running at Trust Me Podcast on Twitter Facebook.com slash Trust Me It's Good and you can email us, trust me, it's good podcast at gmail.com. There'll be the, the, the big places where you can get in touch with us. It's very nice to be back. We're hoping to keep this regular enough while we're all stuck in for the next while. And maybe tell us if, if you're listening at home and you feel like getting in touch, let us know what, what you're surviving on, what uh, recommendations you have for books or games or movies or music, anything like that. And maybe next time we do, we'll have more stuff there getting us by. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And just to say, uh, if you are in, you know, do stay safe, do wash your hands. I know we were laughing about it earlier, but we do want you to just 
keep on listening and you know Absolutely. keep yourself safe um we will all get through this together and one thing that has been amazing is to watch around and look at everybody you know a lot a lot of places would have been struggling for content and and stuff like that but everybody has just really pulled in together uh, the wonderful show of appreciation for the uh, healthcare worker staff was a, a great yep. moment in our history and i don't think it should be forgotten that easily and um you know so thank you to everybody there and yeah. we will get through this together it's going to be a temporary thing and uh just you know keep your yeah. keep your ears listening to us and keep washing your hands there and we'll all get through it and hopefully we'll get back out and and do some live stuff as well so that'd be great it's a it's a weird time where like this thing is affecting absolutely everybody it doesn't care who you are what you do so yes please just stay safe wash your hands keep your physical distance from people stay at home get yourself comfortable read that book you've always wanted to read or watch that movie you've always wanted to watch or may i suggest listen to a nice podcast such as this one there's a lot of episodes to go back on and enjoy so yes good to be back here and trust me it's good we'll keep this going so until next time i'm kevin kelly and i'm aiden delaney <laughs>